Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, I'm Austin Healy and this is the Rugby Tonight podcast. With the return of the Champions Cup this week, it's a European Cup special. And I'm joined by someone quite special. Only a little, well, a little, yeah, very special, Lawrence Delalio, who won a few European Cups, same as me, in his time. And we'll be looking ahead to all the weekend's Champions Cup clashes and reviewing the most recent round of Aviva Premiership action. But before we do, here's a taste of what else is coming up. Former Wasps and France hooker Rafael Ibanez was our star guest for the studio show. I was pretty disappointed, to be honest, you know, when they named the new France coaching staff, but uh, I guess um, I still have to learn. And we were in Montpellier to chat to the head coach, Vern Cotter, head of their match against the champions, the Aviva Premiership, Exeter. We're focusing on putting in a good performance over there and, and hopefully we can get something from it. So, Austin, let's start with... Um a bit of uh, judiciary proceedings. Joe Marler once again finds himself up in front of the beak uh, and he was banned for six weeks. And sadly for England and for Harlequins, we'll miss the first two Six Nations games against Scotland and Wales. It's uh, harsh. It's I've pro- seen the incident. I don't think it was a red card. Yeah, well, if you think about the uh, the clear out that uh, we saw in the Leicester game at the weekend as well, which got, you know, nothing at all. It was just, a, uh, I'm not even sure it was a penalty. I mean, it's a clear out and uh, six weeks is a long time to be banned for. I think that's ridiculous. It was uh, Ioni, wasn't it? It was on the yeah. wrong side. Yeah. And he sort of... He sort of threw his arm at him to get him out of the way as well as hitting him. And it slid up a little bit. I didn't even think it was a red yeah. card. I, I watched it. And I think players should be entitled to clear the space around the ball, yeah. particularly players who are loitering around the ball. Now, I only might see it differently because he you know, might have got a bit of a shot there. But if you do lie on the wrong side of a rook, you are going to get hit. Yeah, he was sent off for striking with the shoulder, wasn't he, Marler? But Ioane uh, was, was actually given a two-week ban himself for for hitting uh, Joe Marler earlier in the game. So I just wonder whether there was yeah. a little bit a little bit spilling over there. A bit and of tip for tat. How did you get six weeks for that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the people citing and the people that are you know overseeing these things have to understand that in the context of a whole season, six weeks is a huge amount of time for a player to miss. Now, uh, you know, that's obviously going to put a lot of pressure on Mako Vunapola to stay fit for England. Yeah. Um, and just disappointing, really. But we won't dwell on it too much. Um, hopefully, Joe Marler will... Uh, have a little bit of think time and uh, and come back. Well, it's a big opportunity, isn't it? Because mm. there's a lot of injuries there. Ellis Genge obviously would have been, would yep. have thought, had he been fit. Or Matt Mullen, again, had he been fit. Yep. Uh, but Abano and uh, Hepburn are the two loose heads left, really. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not. Uh, both those games against uh, Scotland, um, you know, and certainly that first one against Italy, I think England played, didn't they, away? Uh, big, big games. But uh, hopefully Marler will be back. And as you say, it opens. The, uh, the door for uh, 
another opportunity. Right, well... This, uh, this is interesting as well. I don't know if you saw this today, and uh, we may be able to get clarification on this, bearing in mind that you are on the board of Wasps, but there was an exclusive in the Times suggesting that Wasps have agreed a deal to sign uh, Lima Sapaga. Mm. Is that how you pronounce his name? Sapoga? Sapoaga, yeah. Sapoaga. Yeah. Okay, that's what I said. Your hearing's not very good anymore. He's reserved fly off. Now... People are speculating, mm. is this the end of Danny Cipriani or have you seen a contract's been offered to Danny? You can give us an exclusive like the <laughs> Times did um, today. Well, as you know, uh, Austin, this is only pure speculation. Owen Slot obviously coming up with the, the exclusive story. I mean, it's for all the clubs, there's contract negotiations going on at the moment. And you have to say that if Danny Cipriani hasn't come out and announced that he's staying at Wasps, then it is going to open the door for them to replace uh, you know, him with another fly-half. Okay, can I just interrupt you? Because if Alistair Cook had had a straighter bat as you've currently got right now, yeah. we might have won the Ashes. So, come on, answer the question. Well, it's not up to me to, to make that decision, is it? Because Danny Cipriani... But do you know anything? Danny Cipriani's Look still looking eye, for a club, isn't he? Danny Cipriani's still looking for a club, so that club may or may not be Wasps. Right, and, okay. uh, and if you start throwing around, around names, then... Uh, Wasps wouldn't want to lose Danny, would they? The way he's been playing in recent no, weeks. No, but, um, you know, you know, as well, not just Cipriani, but a number of these other players, they're all represented by um, agents, and sometimes... The, what the agent feels a player is worth is very different to what the club feels. Do worth. you think agents can get players into trouble by starting rumours, getting the rumour yeah. mill going, and then they end up having to leave, even yeah. if they don't want to? And then you know what it's like if you don't have, you know, uh, you don't have a chat, you don't talk, if you're not transparent, it's very easy for the rumour mill to create problems. Yeah. I think where agents have, where there is a problem, is if agents come into uh, a director of rugby and start off, you know, start saying that his player wants a huge increase in his salary. And uh, starting to sort of threaten them with other, you know, other opportunities that exist, um, you know. And if a director rugby calls you bluff, then <laughs> you're going to be in a bit of trouble. So uh, watch this space. So Di Young's obviously very good at three card brag as well as coaching. We found out. <laughs> well, okay. the, well, the other thing is that Di, Di Young, I'm sure, and, and I don't know this for definite, and I'm not playing a straight bat. Di Young will have done everything he possibly can to try and keep hold of Danny Cipriani. Yeah. Initially, if that if that's not possible, because uh, you know the wages or the or the or the player demands or the agents demands are, uh, are higher than that, then he's got to look elsewhere. Do you think we could see a day where we don't actually need rugby agents? Um, no, because I think um, a lot of players still feel that they need that comfort of of a buffer, someone else to to have those difficult conversations. You know, it's. Uh, I mean, I'm sure it was fairly routine with you when you had your contract negotiation, wasn't it? Uh, I've scored this many tries. Uh, I'm this valuable to the club. This is why you should pay me. I yeah. actually never signed a contract at Leicester after the first one. It was all handshakes after that. Well, you didn't need to. They paid you so much, didn't they? Well, not not in the UK. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Um, Before we review the weekend's premiership action, here's the best bits of our live chat with Rafael Ibanez, a man who lifted the trophy alongside myself in 2007 beating Leicester in the final. Oh, great. Um, of course, you two are old pals, played against each other, played with each other for so many years. Still keep in touch, lads? Yeah, well, it's lovely to have Raf back in England. Uh, you know, you were a bit of a pioneer. Not many French players were, came over to play in the Premiership. Uh, Raf had a, a little stint at Saracens, maybe a different type of Saracens there. Sure, are you sure you want to come back to that? No. <laughs> but, but anyway, you know, what I can say is um, Lawrence, um, Jan, McGee and Gitch and uh, Sean Edwards were uh, the guys who uh, helped me to uh, experience, you know, some fantastic uh, things, you know, here, over here. 
and real a rugby player. golden, golden years for Wasps as well. Some lovely images here, lads. Just, just talk us through them, your memories of that time together and uh, all those trophies you were winning. Raph, what a great moment it is. Yeah, that was last year. Remember that? <laughs> uh, ten years ago now, but uh, yeah, some great memories and uh, with a great captain right in the middle, of course, you know, Lawrence. Uh, I, uh, I enjoyed my, my time here and I had to wait for a long time uh, club rugby to, uh, to win some uh, silverware and it was with Wasps, so it was great. Uh, Lyle, good times for you as well, obviously, there. Look yeah, at the pride I mean, listen, we, we had some great times, but it was, as Austin will say, at Leicester, same at Wasps. It was a very honest place to be. I remember it didn't matter whether you had one cap or, in the same, in, you know, as Raf had 98, nearly 100 caps. I remember we played those back to back games in the Champions Cup, and uh, I remember one story with Sean Edwards. We used to have these Monday morning honesty meetings, and we played uh, Lenethi Scarlets at home, and we lost. And uh, Raf was getting a bit of a, a bit of the treatment from Sean Edwards. Yeah. And obviously, Sean speaks with a broad Wigan accent. And Raf came to me after the meeting. He said, uh, "Lawrence, he says I do not understand the word uh, Sean Edwards has said." He said, That's "What the Wigan accent? Yeah, <laughs> Wigan accent." Yeah, said, what was he? Yeah, what was he Ooh. saying? I was saying. I think for a man with nearly 100 cats for France, he was expecting a little bit more from you. And <laughs> you, you were outplayed by your opposite number, Matthew Rees, who plays for, for Wales. And fortunately, in those days, you got to play the same fixture the following week. Mm. We went down to the Lethley Scarlets, and uh, after 20 minutes, Matthew Rees was stretched off the field. And uh, Raf asked uh, Bobby, the water boy, he said, Ask Sean Edwards, where is Matthew Rees now? <laughs> yeah, like, like a proper silent assassin. Yeah, exactly. I'm not, I'm very quiet, but um, yeah, Deadly. I remember that. Um, you can't stay silent now because the world has plenty of questions to ask because we're on Facebook Live now, Oz, are we not? Yeah, we certainly are. We're live on Twitter and on Facebook. We've got loads of questions for you. We had some in before the show, actually. We've taken those out. Uh, this is from uh, Ron Payne, 11, or Ron Paynell. Um, who came up with the double line-out move versus Leicester in the final? Thanks, Ron, for bringing that question up. It's really good of you. <laughs> well, it's not it's because it's, it was against Leicester, but I uh, remember... Um, I recall, you know, the, the line-up coach, uh, the, the day before, uh, Leon Holden, um, knew that it, was, it would be so difficult to um, match uh, the Leicester forwards, you know, especially in that area, uh, line-outs. And uh, so we, we thought about maybe having, like, an option or two, but just in case and just if we were in tr into trouble, yeah. but it, um, it was successful. From Culshaw, Craig, uh, why did you throw him one-handed at line-outs? Uh, it was like a javelin you old, throw him, wasn't school. it? Old school. I uh, know, he looked a bit awkward, but, uh, in fact, you know, I just had to stay, stay to, my, um, to my style and my routine. It comes from basketball, because I used to be a basketball player until I was 17. Uh, this is from Slim Boy Joe. How do you solve a problem like French rugby? Talent, fitness, game plan? Where's it, where's it all going um, wrong? I would say it's probably the system. You know, the, way, the way we approach the game now, um, club rugby is massive, very powerful, and, uh, and um, it affects uh, the, the French team. And that's, that's the main thing for, for me. Um, I know they had some meetings, uh, especially last week, last Monday, uh, they had meetings in between the, the French coaches and um, the new... Uh, France coaching staff, but uh, hopefully we, uh, we know we don't want to be seen as the. Uh, I think we should be fed up with being seen as the ugly duckling, you know. Yeah. Well, these, these must upset you as an ex-captain of France. Seeing those stats, played 11, won three. We just thought we'd put that up there to cheer you up. Drawn one. Uh, you've been through 61 players in those games. Is that one of the problems? Do you think? Too many? What? Too many? Too many players. 61 players used in those matches. Um, yeah. Well, sometimes you know, uh, at the international stage, you want to stick to the same team and you want to make sure you, know, you can develop the players within the team and uh, being able to create that, that identity. Um, I've been travelling for the last two months, you know, 
to, through uh, Northern Europe and, and, uh, and uh, the, the Southern Hemisphere to New Zealand. And uh, I just realized the most important thing for successful rugby teams is the identity. And I think we tend to lose that at the moment. Yeah. I, what, what, should it, what should it be? Do you want to go back to the old French flair running rugby? Is that the way you'd like uh, France to, to be seen on the international scene? Well, I mean, there's a lot of talent. Uh, the potential is there. We've got so many young players you know, coming through. And uh, I think about, for example, the young um, scrum half from Toulouse, playing for Toulouse, uh, Antoine Dupont. So yeah, skillful. And you have to, to leave them, express themselves. Yeah. And I don't, I don't understand why, for example, after the first test, he was probably the only one uh, matching the intensity, the, the tempo of the, um, against the All Blacks. <clears throat> and the second game, it looked like um, he had to not doing any, he had anything. restrictions yeah, placed exactly. on him. as well. I'd love to see him in the yeah. Pano, yeah. Fantastic yeah. in the centre. So I think there's so much talent. Yeah. Let's, let's crack on with a few more questions. I just um, want to actually add one oh, small thing. Then. Sorry, sorry. Just oh, sorry one no, we won't then. No, I mean, I, just the way you're talking there, I'm just thinking, and I'm sure a lot of people are, you sound like a, a future uh, you know, head coach for France. You, you sound like <laughs> the job you know, is, is made for you. Would, you. would you fancy it? Well, it's very nice to, to you, but um, uh, it could have happened, but it didn't. And um, I'm very humble with that. And I guess I still have. Do you want it to happen? Um, yeah, if probably. You but I think uh, I, I was pretty disappointed, to be honest. You know, when they named the new France coaching staff. But uh, I guess um, I still have to learn. We've got to get back to the kids. I mean, we've got some old people questions later on in the show. But um, <laughs> this is from Tom Gray on Facebook. Who was the best hooker you've played against? Oh, there were many, um, many, and uh, I enjoyed playing against um, Keith Wood oh, yeah. because he was probably one of the most skillful uh, player on the pitch. He, um, he still um, likes um, giving me like the nickname of uh, the French pig or something like that. It's probably these, probably the two only words he knows in France, you know, petit cochon. <laughs> and I keep telling him, you know, he's probably the best hooker I ever play against. But uh, the only problem with him, he should have not played in, in that position. Number two, he could have played any, anywhere yeah, you know, on the field except hooker because yeah. too much scrimmaging, too much, you know, yeah. fighting, and that's not for him. Well, we, so we did a podcast earlier, me and Lawrence, actually. It's an award-winning podcast. And um, they were just... <laughs> we were talking about Phil Greening as well. You yes. both, you and Phil, are two contrasting hookers, but he was a great hooker as well, Yeah, very, 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 um, yeah, quick, fast. Different. Good thrower, good thrower. But I think the more complete hooker... Um, where he, coming from New Zealand, uh, Kevin Mealamu especially, and um, Anton Oliver. Mm. Yeah, it was great to have Rafa on the show, wasn't it? Good to uh, bring back some old memories, Lawrence. 2007, lifting the trophy, and what was the other year you won it? Was it 2004? Four, yeah, yeah. against Toulouse. Toulouse, yeah. Rob Howley wonder try down the line with a ball-defied gravity. <laughs> it was amazing, really, the Poitrano moment, as it's referred to Big then. night out. It's always a big night out. When you win. It's always a big night out when you win the trophy, isn't it? It's a rather large re- glass you've got to drink out of. That's I can't the problem. Remember, remember, we just—I think we lost. Someone tried to steal the trophy the first time we won it outside a bar, yeah, which is not advisable in front of you know twenty odd rugby players no. who have had a few. No, we we, we played our finals at Twickenham, so uh, we were on terra firma. I, I knew the uh, I knew the lay of the land, so uh, we were straight into London and uh, a lot of fun. But if Ibanez was without doubt one of the best. Hookers are played with and against. Captain of France, 98 test matches, I think. Um, you know, and he had a little stint over here at Saracens. He phoned me up. He yeah. said, he's, look, I've fallen out with everyone at Saracens. Um, 
they picked Matthew Cairns on the, on, in the team ahead of me, so I knocked him out. So he's now out of the team. So I'm now back in the side. He, I mean, he's a little bit crazy, Raf. He's, he's got a little bit of basket in him. You know, French and crazy. Well, well no, it. but he's Spanish and Italian as <laughs> yeah. well, so he, he really is crazy. And uh, anyway, we managed to get him out of his contract at Saracens. He, he actually fell out with Steve Diamond. Anyway, he came... two, two cracking hookers, really, yeah. him and Phil Greening. Yeah. I mean, who would you pick? Well, he came, he came to Wasps and, uh, you know, he... he, he he really enjoyed his time there. He bonded with all the players. He, he you know, he, he found a, a sort of place that he really liked. His family was settled, and uh, and he had some of the best rugby, of, you know, of his of his life there. So uh, we we were, you know, we talked to Wasp fans there. They speak very highly of Raf because um, you know he didn't just get a play; he got he got the whole person as well. Yeah, and you had Phil Green, and he was playing for England as well, yeah. and two great hookers, two very different hookers, but. Um, both very, very well, good players. Raf was very old school. If you look at the way hookers throw the ball in now, it's kind of two-handed. You know, Raf was the old sort of French way. Javelin. <laughs> Javelin. it in. Throw it in and let's see what happens, you know. <laughs> see if it hits anyone. But uh, no, I mean, he was tough as Teak. Really, really tough, as well, you'd expect from uh, front row forwards. Yeah, it's tough over in France at the minute as well, isn't it? But I think with Rafa on the show, it would have been a bit of a miss of us not to find out uh, about the fallout in French rugby and how it's escalated over the past few weeks, particularly with Guy Noves sacking. And now Noves taking a swipe at the Federation and the Bernard Laporte regime. There's a lot going on over there. Yeah, I think there's some legal action that Noves is taking against uh, the, the Federation or the French Federation have tried to... Um, uh, sort of accuse him of not fulfilling his contract so they don't actually have to pay him out of his contract. You do know? they have courts in France or do people just go, <laughs> I don't shrug well, I think, the shoulders and move on? I think they have their own unique way of deciding the law. But uh, The barrister's having a bit of brie and then goes, oh, I don't know. Well, Bernard Laporte is clearly um, trying to you know, take over the, the running of French rugby. and The world, I think, yeah. I think you'll find. And uh, Guy Neves was, was a strange appointment, I have to say, you know, at the, at the time. I think if he'd have been appointed 15 years ago when Toulouse were in their prime, I think everyone would have understood that. But he kind of arrived a little bit, you know, past his sell-by date. And I think the players have sort of demanded change. And uh, it'd be interesting to hear from Rafa um, because he kind of was one of the names that was put up for selection um, when Guy Neves was appointed. So he can't be too far away from getting the job himself. Yeah, I mean, where does it leave the French for the Six Nations? Not in great place. They drew with Japan. They lost to South Africa, uh, New Zealand and New Zealand. Yeah, I mean... You just G- don't know, though, do well, you? Well, Guy Neves has turned around and said, well, the reason I've had a... You know, it's been very difficult is because you gave me two games against New Zealand. And if that, if anyone had had that, every coach would be under pressure. So maybe he's got a point on that. But I think the draw with Japan was the sort of final straw, really. Um, interestingly, Jacques Brunel, who's come in, has, has said that, France have got to stop thinking about the World Cup and just concentrate on this year's Six Nations. So, uh, France need an English coach, is yeah. what they need, don't they? Or yeah. an Australian coach. A bit of an Eddie. Eddie Jones yeah. would do an amazing job over yeah. there if you know if he could speak the language. Um, so, look, it's tough for them, but I think we'll have to make this quick fire. We've gone on quite a lot, quite a lot about uh, France and uh, this current situation in the, in the English game. But uh, Saracens back to the best. You've either Premiership at the yeah, weekend. Yeah, I think it was a tough time for Was to play Saracens. All their best players were injured. Um, no Daly, no Gopeth, no Hughes. Quite a few other injuries at a time when Saracens had all their best players back. Notably Wigglesworth at scrum half, which is probably overlooked. That was the the key one for me. And obviously Atoji and that man Billy Vunapola, who no matter how, who he plays for or you know how he plays, he's going to make a difference to any side. So um, you know. It was an interesting moment in the game, wasn't it? When Wasps were losing by five points, Thomas Young put a foot in touch as he was scoring a try. That yep. would have brought the scores level mm. with 20 minutes to go. As it happened, Saracens went up the other end of the field and then pulled away. So, uh, good win for Saracens. I think they are, they're back. I wouldn't say they're back to their best, yeah. uh, but it's a good time for them because they've got that must-win game against Ospreys. And 
Wasp's injury list is mounting. 28 players, Dai Young said he had to select from yeah. before the game. Yeah. Was there three in? Both centres got yeah, injured. They, I think and they're struggling. I mean, the, the good news for Wasp is then these players that are injured aren't months away. They're probably only weeks away. So yeah. he's going to have to patch things up and try and win that crucial game against Harlequins at the stoop. Not sure Quinns have got a huge amount to play for, no. but sometimes that takes a bit of pressure off you. And I guess you'd, you'd expect Saracens to then go on and um, and, and do, yeah, the, do the job against Ospreys. You might think that maybe a little phone call from Eddie Jones might influence that as well. A couple of the England players maybe taking a weekend off. Who knows? Yeah. We'll wait and see. Uh, Exeter, well, what what a performance by Newcastle. Yeah. I mean, uh, do you know what? Uh, you know, you and I try and predict the uh, the scores in the Premiership. I got that one right. I actually thought that Newcastle would turn them over just on the basis that... You know, Exeter have only lost two games. They've had a tough run recently. And, you know, at some point, their luck's going to run out. And, uh, you know, Newcastle actually looking at the game really tore into them. And you've got to say, yeah. they deserve that victory. Yeah, won that local, but, I mean, won I that think, local derby, didn't they? I think it's just a, a blip for Exeter. Um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, I don't know if you saw the uh, the Sinotti uh, try, the sidestep. Yeah. I mean, that was proper sort of Strictly Come Dancing stuff. Well, half the, half the crowd moved in their seat. It was such <laughs> a good sidestep. I think he nearly broke both of his own ankles. Yeah. Remarkable. Who was it? He stepped oh, it was short, wasn't short, it? Yeah. Short did well to get back to and nearly catch him. And I thought he was going to roll him on the line, but wow, what a sidestep. And listen, the story of the weekend probably has to be Saints back to winning ways. I mean, Alan Gaffney, a lot of people critical of, uh, of his appointment. Um, but you have to say, you know, he's had an effect immediately, isn't he? He's suddenly got a little bit of improvement out of the Saints. There was, I couldn't believe, seven defeats in a row. Um, and, uh, you know, it, there was serious drama, wasn't there? Penalty try, which actually was the right decision. Cause no. The ref, well, the referee had already given a penalty try. I think it, I think it was half. I think it was a penalty yeah. prior to the uh, rook, uh, the mall coming down. But then there was definitely a second movement and they were brought down short. Yeah. And there was no guarantee that they no, were going to score. Because, and, and then he seemed been the wrong person. But because the referee had given a penalty try to... Um, Gloucester. Gloucester in the first half uh, for exactly the same offence. He kind of had set his stall Yeah, out. I suppose, though, you can say there's, you know, at least he's consistently wrong. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was good to see Saints win. Yeah. Um, we've covered Joe Marler, haven't we, in that defeat uh, uh, by Sale. Yeah. Um, and last kick of the game, won it for them. Sale are really competitive at the minute against all sides, running everybody pretty close and having a pretty good season, actually. Yeah, I mean, they obviously started horrendously. You know, Steve um, Stevie Diamond in all sorts of bother on and off the field with his injuries and his, you know, getting touchline bans, etc. But actually, it's been the catalyst now. I think they're on a, a bit of a run, aren't they? They've yeah. uh, since uh, you know he's he's been out the stadium, then back in again, and they've got that real momentum. And uh, you know, I, I wasn't surprised because they're difficult to beat at home. But uh, yeah, I mean, they they've always been around that sort of six, seven, eight spot. But you've got to say, on the current form, they're they're going to give everyone a run for their money in that top six. I think one side that aren't looking at top six currently are Leicester. Yeah, well, you tell me, Oz. You know more about what's going on. I th- I thought that the. Well, def- I don't. That's the problem. I mean, the defeat against Worcester started the rot. Um, you can understand them losing against some of the bigger teams because we know that their problems are not in their back line, but in, in the team that they've got up front. They're a bit underpowered. I think they're always going to come unstuck against the big boys. But, but if you think about the sides that are in the league, there's only really Wasps, Exeter and Saris uh, and Bath, probably, yeah. that can really overpower them in yeah. the pack. So why are they playing a style of rugby yeah, that doesn't isn't isn't conducive to winning against the other sides and winning easily? Yeah. 
London Irish at home, okay, competitive, trying, fighting for their lives, but Leicester should be hammering them at Welford Road. You know, you oh, should absolutely. be talking 40, 50 points, and they're not. Absolutely. So the, there's fundamental problems at that club in terms, not necessarily in terms of the personnel, I don't think, but uh, fundamental problems in the delivery of the message or yeah. the style. Uh, well, and the also, framework. I think you have to, when things are going wrong, and we've all been in sides where we're not firing quite the way we, we want to or expect to. You have to simplify the game plan a bit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, with George Ford, it's very complicated because everything has to go through him. There's about five or six different options. I think, you know, just simplify the game plan, get them going over the game line. I'll be using Tuolangi a lot more. I'll be using some of my, you know, strike runners in the backs a lot more and taking a bit of responsibility away from George Ford. Um, but, you know, listen. I, it looks like they've lost their way. Yeah. It generally looks like uh, strategy and tactically they have lost their way. And personally, I blame Ben Kay. <laughs> it's clear for everyone to see it is obviously just his quick, fault. Just a quick word on Bath. They put in a very strong performance against Worcester. So yep. good signs for them going into Europe. Yeah, and with, and with a lot of injuries yeah. still, you know. Really big players to come back for Bath. Francois Lowe springs to mind. But that was the blueprint of what Bath should be doing every week. Competing hard over the ball. Really smashing sides in the midfield. And def- and then taking their opportunities around the breakdown. Where Cook had a very good game. And then Confo to Ali came on equally very, very good. So I still fancy Bath for the top four. Yeah. I don't know what you think. Yeah, no, I think they're, they're right up there. One side that will be in the, in the top four are, well, we say will. Yes, they will, won't they? Exeter Chiefs, the champions. They're going to be taking on Montpellier live on BT Sport 2 at 3.15 this Saturday afternoon. And we sent Lauren Smith to speak to the head coach, Vern Cotter, earlier on the week. When Alfred brought you into this role here, what were you tasked with? What did he ask you to do? Really to try and... Um have a connection between the, the supporters uh, with the team performance, win a competition, is driven to, to win a competition. And I think probably when we decided what we were going to do, the fact that Montpellier hasn't won the, the Bouclier of Brennus uh, was one of the motivating factors to come here. So try and, you know, he, wants, he wants a great team, he wants a team that wins, uh, he wants it to represent his people. Um, and you know, I think that's probably the key things. And, and for us, as a decision to come here, it's nice to think that you could do something that hadn't been done before, and federate a whole lot of different people. And French rugby is a little bit different from other competitions, and it's a it's a mixture of cultures and nations uh, coming together. We've got uh, French, obviously South Africans, Georgians, uh, Fijians, New Zealanders, Australians, and uh, and it's always a, it's it's always a fascinating job to try and bring these people together and. and and share the same objective. So it's just bring everybody together and most of all have fun. But in the past, perhaps the fact that you've got so many different nationalities has been perceived as a kind of negative a- attribute, the foreign French club. So how do you turn that into a positive, especially with your fan base? I think there's, there's a short-term strategy and there's a long-term strategy. I think we're more on the long-term strategy, developing the academies. Um, the French regulations in the game now mean that you've got to have a certain number of players that are French qualified or players that have been uh, formed in France. So we've got, to have, we've got to develop an academy perhaps in the last couple of years that hadn't been, had been neglected, uh, an influx of foreign players, an imbalance probably in, in, within the culture. And, and that's, we're trying to steady the ship really and, and look at not winning uh, at all cost but developing something that's going to be there for a long time. And if, I am not one to use legacy. I don't think it's a great thing to, 
no, it's, a, it's a big word, but we're just trying to have something that's going to build something that's going to stay in place for a number of years and have, have those solid foundations so you can look at being performing for a long periods of time. What was the starting point? Um, in Scotland, you introduced handshakes in the morning. So was that, was that uh, just a beginning point to implement something, this, this greater culture, this kind of, this feeling of being a Montpellier player in person? Yeah, there's, um, I mean, you always take the history of a, of a, of a place and tie that into uh, how you, your attitudes and your beliefs and your values. Uh, there's also the people that are on deck and there's also the here and now, which is you know what you do every day. So it's a mixture of everything. There's the past, uh, the club that hasn't been in existence for a long period of time. It's a 30-year-old club. It's not a club that's been involved in rugby for 100 years. So, uh, But we still recognise the, the, the past 30 years and the performances and the people that have been involved. Um, and in and, and any organisation, it's a mixture of head and heart. So it's getting your head right, understanding what the game's about and where you're heading and what you can do with the people you've got. And um, heart's your, you know, your, your foundation of you know, why you get up in the morning and that type of thing. Nemani has been a try-scoring machine this season. Four, five out of four games in Europe, most clean breaks, most defenders beaten. It implies that perhaps he's getting the ball into his hands a lot more than he has done the season before. Is that potentially indicate that you're trying to play the ball wider, try and use your wing players more, try and play this expansive game? I don't know if there's an expansive game. I mean, there's, there's sort of directions you can take. You can go east-west, which generally doesn't get you over the goal line, so you're better off going north, and those guys go north pretty well. I mean, Nemanja's probably one of the best, best years. Uh, and we've got other players as well, so it's mixing your game. It, you, you can't be stereotyped in what you do. You've got to have, you've got to keep opposition guessing, but certainly when he gets the ball, uh, he commits several defenders to him, which means either he, he gets over, which he's good at doing, or he creates space for somebody else. So he's a great attribute to the team. But everybody's bringing something, and that's the whole idea. It's having, having a plan, having a game, and having an, an organisation where everyone feels they can bring something. Uh, because the opposite side of the wing, you've got Gabriel Magandabi, who's, uh, you know, he's, uh, he, in his own way, is bringing something to the team as well. It's not the same um, style, if you like, uh, as Nemani, but he's still bringing something. So everybody, with the, with the qualities they have, are able to put their hands up and say, hey, I'm, I'm going I'm to help you. Are we at a point in terms of Europe where we're talking about must-win games? Europe is all, every game's a must-win game. It's uh, short and it's almost knockout. Every one, every loss is, is um, you know, depending on other results, is, is not good. So, um, yeah, it's the game against Exeter this weekend, obviously, for them and us, it's, it's, it's a crucial game. Uh, and we need to get something from it. We've still got Leinster at home. Uh, there's no guarantees. But if we, we're focusing on putting in a good performance over there and, and hopefully we can get something from it. And depending on what we get and how good we are on the day, you know, it'll be, uh, we'll find out after the 80 minutes. But we're definitely going over to get something. Right, um, if we turn our attentions to the European... Let's turn our attentions to the Champions European Cup. Bath v Scarlets, 7pm on BT Sport 2. Austin, Bath top, pool five. Uh, but it's quite fierce competition in the shape of Toulon and Scarlets. Fate is kind of somewhat in their hands with that home tie to Scarlets and a trip away to that bottom side, Benetton. But, you know, their inconsistencies won't go away, but you feel they're playing quite well just at the crucial time. Yeah, I think they are. I think they may have a few players back from injury as well this week. Um, hopefully they're not going to lose out. A few guys went off with HIAs against Worcester. I see Bath winning that game and I see them actually topping the group now. Um, they win that, they go to Benetton, they take the points there, off they go to the races, win the group, maybe not in the top four, yeah. but I think they should they potentially finish fifth. 
Well, listen, a quick word about uh, one player who will be leaving Bath at the end of the season, Matt Banahan. He's going down the road to Gloucester. We kind of knew about that, but he's announced yep. it publicly we now. We knew, but we didn't say anything. No, we were good. We were good. I've known since uh, 2014, <laughs> and I kept it quiet for a long period of time because that's the sort of bloke I'm and keep well, a secret. He is kind of big. So you want he to is keep big. It it's a big. That's a big, good signing for yeah, Gloucester. Yeah, I think so. Great club man, never lets you down. Plays in four or five different. He'll be playing scrum half for Gloucester next year. Uh, but yeah, uh, and and I've heard the story behind why he's gone, and a lot of Bath supporters will go, "Why is Banahan leaving us after all this year?" Well, I don't think he was treated very well towards the end there. And uh, clubs talk to you a lot about loyalty, but loyalty works two ways, oh, yeah. particularly when they ask you to sign contracts. Yeah. And I think when they don't want you, they offer you a contract that you know you don't want. Yeah. So, so uh, but, but then they never paint the picture and go, well, the, the, the club never ever comes out and says, yeah, we decided that we didn't need Matt Banahan next year because yeah. all the fans go, hold on a sec. Yeah. All the stuff he's done for this club, they never paint that picture. And they should because yeah. otherwise the player has to paint it. Otherwise it looks like sour grapes. And it is very sour. It's not. Right. Well, I wish him all the best. Good luck. So Paris. moving on, Saturday, two live games on BT Sport. Exeter against Montpellier, 3pm BT Sport 2. And then Ospreys v Saracens, 7.30pm BT Sport 3. So uh, where do we start? Let's start with Saris, Austin. Uh, well, away knock to Ospreys. Knockout rugby straight away for Saris. Now they're in the, the pre-quarter, pre-quarter finals, I think, because they've got to win both games yeah. um, to go through. Guarantee themselves going through. I I think they'll win. Yeah. So uh, so we kind of know. I mean, the Wasp game was a big game. Gives them a bit of confidence going into this. But we'll kind of know if they're back. If we sat here in a few weeks' time and they've won both those European games. Yeah. I think it's an easier game than people think against the Ospreys. The Ospreys played Northampton back to back. They took ten points from that. Northampton were in a very very dark place. Yeah. You take those ten points away. Ospreys are on three points throughout the group. Yeah. But they've taken their opportunity and they'll fancy their chances if they can play in the same style that they did. And they play some really good attract attractive running rugby, particularly out wide. And that's where at times Saracens have looked a little bit weak. But I think with Brad Barrett coming back defensively, they've tightened that up. And like you said, if you can hold Wasp out as much as they did at the weekend yep. you'd like to think you could hold Ospreys out even though you're away now the player who was outstanding on the day against Wasp was Alex Good yep. um, an incredibly intelligent footballer where, where, where do you stand on this England Mike Brown is, is Eddie Jones go-to man um, and it seems that Alex Good he had that poor game didn't he against Ireland away a few years ago and he's never really ever had a look in since and do you think it's about time he had another shot at it? I think people have for a long time thought that he should have another shot. But Mike Brown is playing actually really good rugby again. Looking very strong. He's just nasty, isn't he? He's the sort of player that you'd want to smash his face in if he was in the opposition. But he's on your team. You really like him because you know he's going to smash someone else's face in. And I think that's probably why Eddie likes him. And, you know, if I was in the England team, it, we're outside the team. So I suppose we yeah. go for the emotional, let's go for good. He's a fantastic football player. But if you're in the team, you probably think differently. You probably think, oh, I quite fancy a bit of brownie at the back. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Probably not the right phrase and terminology, but I think you know where I'm going with that. I've always liked a bit of Mike Brown at the back. Yeah. yeah. Right, listen, just last bit of news. Dan Lydia is ruled out for the rest of the season. Huge blow for Ospreys and another absentee for Wales. But as two England players, we shan't sort of uh, dwell on that too Wales, much. Wales for the wooden spoon this year? <laughs> Quite possibly. They've got so many injuries and to key players as well, haven't they? Quite possibly. Davis is out. Brown. Uh, 
is playing for England. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't play for Wales. <laughs> Don't know where I was L- going with that. Lydiot. Lydiot. Uh, There's two. Yeah. See, I've really done my research on the current situation anyway, on Welsh Talk to injuries. me about something you do know, which is what's happening on BT Sport on Sunday. Uh, well, Lawrence, funny you should ask, because on Sunday, Toulon are playing Benetton, and it's on BT Sport 2. At 12.45, it's an early game, because there's two. Not one, but two games on Sunday. So you can basically watch the first one, yeah, enjoy yourself, go to the pub, have Sunday lunch, a couple of pints, come back, and then watch Cast versus Leicester. And that's also on BT Sport 2, but that's on 5.15. And most pubs... You know, village pubs, they close around about half four. Yep. So you're going to get turfed out anyway. So you may as well come home and watch that. Matt O'Connor, though, he's got a... Well, I don't know what he does, because Leicester are out, aren't they? Uh, albeit by name. They could theoret- mathematically go through, but it's not going to happen. They're in, m- most they can get to 16 points. Cast have got a decent home record, mm. even in this tournament. I don't expect Leicester to put up uh, too much of a fight in that. Oh, interesting. Do you? No, I don't. But uh, it says discuss, so I think we should. Well, I think it's an opportunity for you. Always find out a little bit about players away in France, and I think Matt O'Connor's sort of got a few question marks about a few players, particularly up front. Have they got the you know, have they got the uh, the fight in their belly to to compete for pl- places? Are they going to be part of my plans going forward? Because yes, Matt O'Connor's been there a little while and he knows the club, but I still don't think he's had the opportunity to activate in the transfer market like he wants to, bring in his own recruits, I wouldn't say. Well, who wants to come to Leicester now? Well, you up know, front, ten, up, ten years ago, yeah. Leicester come knocking on your yeah. door. You go, oh, yeah, quite like a bit of that. That'd mm. be cool. 20-odd thousand people every week, bit of money, happy days. Leicester come knocking on the door now. You go, well, first of all, how much are you going to pay me? Because there's no chance I'm going to really win major trophies currently. So they haven't really got that back up. No, but I, I, I still feel that they need to recruit two players in the pack that they're going to build the next five years around and they don't have those two players if, if I look at that pack you know they've had them in the past like Dan Cole and Tom Youngs but they're sort of moving towards the latter stages of their career and I feel that they need to recruit particularly in the back five one big second row yeah. world class second row and one absolutely world class if not two world class back row forwards as yeah. well and build their team around that because Do you think they've spent too long building their team around Manu Tuolangi? He's been injured for too long and they're paying him too much money. Yeah, is, quite, is that is that an argument? Yeah, it's quite possible that you could yes it is an argument. You can say that, but also it's a little bit of bad luck. Had he been yeah. fit for the last couple of seasons, Where would it's a bit of a different be? story. But yeah. I do think their back five recruitment and selection has been a bit baffling for me. Um you know, there's no one in their pack if I was another one of the premiership clubs that I go I want him in my team. Yeah. You know, do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Well, yeah. just if, And if he, like you said, if he can put the rest of the season together, you never know where Leicester yeah. will end up. So let's move on then to the final part of the pod for this week. Uh, we're going back in time, which is fortunate, Lawrence, because you've dressed accordingly. Um, and it will be uh, 10 years almost to the day, the 3rd of January. Well, not to the day, because that was obviously seven days ago, that you announced your retirement from the game. Time flies. I mean, you, you've still fly. got the posters I mean, up. You look like you've been in flying. You look like you've come as McFly, actually. Funny you said, no, no, I flew down in my helicopter. Um, <laughs> but funny you say that. Um, uh, this, this is, I think we'll do this as quick fire, since it's 10 years. Yeah. Uh, 2008, you retired two years after me. You really did hang on, bearing in mind you're older than me, aren't you? <laughs> well, especially I mean, you had no other job to the, go to. No, especially as the sub, the sub board kept going up. Yeah, Stallone. <laughs> you got the cliffhangers out. Were you roped onto the side of... Uh, uh, who was Warren Gatland? Was he the coach then? Yeah, you see, gave, I had to wait for my final sort of payoff, really. You know what I mean? It was a mm. go, it was golden handshake. So was, was it? Like, yeah, I was handing it. I wouldn't have played for Wasp for a gold pick, to be perfectly yeah. honest. But OK. Uh, what was the one thing you missed about playing? Quick fire. One thing I miss about playing... Winning. Oh. Mm. What's the one thing you miss about playing? 
training. Oh, you liar. What's the one thing you don't miss about playing? Training. <laughs> <laughs> What's the one thing you don't miss? Uh, the in, uh, Sunday morning injuries. Oh, just that, well, yeah. Oh, actually, no, I, no. Having to listen to coaches that haven't got a clue what they're talking yeah, about. I, the thing that I don't miss is meetings that last any more than 10 minutes. Yeah. I can do 10 minutes, but I mean, that's obviously my concentration. Level, yeah, and but intelligence. But most, most, most forwards are the same. Most, yeah. most rugby players are the same. So meetings that last more than 10 minutes. How's the game changed in 10 years? I, you know, people say it's changed loads. I don't okay. think it has. No, it's not. I don't think it's changed much. Social media, I think. Yeah, it's, it's killed it. It's killed it yeah. in terms of... Made you know, the players a lot more insecure. Insecure, vulnerable, um, worried about criticism, all that, all that, all the above. But I don't think it's changed a huge amount. Um you know, there's a few th- balls in play a bit longer. It's a bit more physical, but, yeah. you know. I believe Anapola has mentioned that this week, the power of the ice bath. I hated the ice bath with a passion. Well, we, were, we, were the, uh, we were the first people to be. I was a pioneer. <laughs> you were well, Scott. Well, I'm not sure we were a pioneer. We were, we were... I was the first person to go in ice. Exactly. How I'm long gonna, for? Uh, well, I'm gonna, when I die, I've requested to Lou that she puts me in ice. Well, they've had, clearly had your wardrobe in ice for a while. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't mine. This is one of the kids. What was um, the best bit of advice you were given uh, as a player? Uh, touch the ball as much as you possibly can. It's quite important to the game. Yeah, that's pretty good. Obviously, no one told Lewis Moody that because he never carried in any game that he played and he just ran around trying to kill people. Exactly. Stay, in one piece. Stay in one piece. That's a very good Best play you've ever faced? General um, Omo. Easy. Yeah, I think I think for me, I mean, I'm going to be slightly controversial and say that the best players I've faced are all English, actually. Martin Johnson, Jason Leonard, Neil Back, Richard Hill. I, I mean, I, I could look out abroad and say these guys I've admired, but I don't think... You know, in our era, we had some pretty tough players and, and I'm glad to say that most of them were English. One player you wish you could have played for, for England at club level for any nation or from any nation. I, I would go either Christian Cullen, uh, Lomu, or Carlos Spencer. I thought Spencer was brilliant. Yeah, I mean, I, I would, I'd like to have played with Sean Fitzpatrick in his team, the All Blacks team, because I just like, I like the way he captained and led the side and I would have enjoyed um, I would have enjoyed it okay well thanks a lot lol yeah, it's, been, it's been fun hasn't it it's been emotional it's gone quick you can take your clothes back to the army and navy store uh, but uh, thanks for you lot as well for listening to the rugby tonight podcast we'll be back next week where Ben Kay and Brian O'Driscoll will be in the booth to run the rule over round five of the Champions Cup they'll find out who's in who's out all the shakers all the movers and remember to subscribe to the pod to make sure you get it delivered to your device every Thursday morning and if you've enjoyed the show which you probably have then please give us a five star rating and leave a wonderful review bye for now Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.